Hi, my name's Sava, but my alter ego is the Impaired Grappler. Um, welcome to my podcast. Um, this podcast is basically just sharing my story. Um, I'm a jiu-jitsu practitioner who's been uh, impaired with arthritis for the last seven or so years. So um, I basically currently do jiu-jitsu one-handed, um, yeah, just to protect my my um, hand and wrist from yeah undue knocks and sores. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, yeah, this podcast is just sharing what I do and having interesting interesting conversations with um, people that I've met that I know. Um, like today, today's episode uh, is Professor Steve Maxwell who's a world-renowned expert in the fitness industry. He's a big-time uh, advocate of uh, self-defense, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Um, so uh, I was a client of his for about a year, um, just with uh, just helping me uh, try to do a re- rehab for my arm. Um, so, yeah, so basically this conversation... It was early this year and he was a very, very gracious guest, um, sort of picking up where I was stumbling through my words, so um, very appreciative of that. And yeah, so here's the podcast, um, hope you enjoy and make sure you follow Steve on all his social media and also his website. He's in Icaria, Greece at the moment, so um, I think he's, he'll be having a great great old time right now so yeah um enjoy the podcast and we'll catch you on the other side all right cheers Oops. all right this is this is going to be a bit i'm a bit nervous about it so it's the first time i've done it so we'll just see how we go let's just, go, conversations. Let's just flow let's go right. with the flow you know the really experienced podcasters they don't even write yeah. the question. Yeah, you just... Well, it's more of but, like but, a few I mean, concepts I want But to if you have some yeah. notes, by all means, yeah. do it. But I, I'm just saying, yeah. you get to the point where it actually goes better when you just, yeah, just well, let it happen, whatever happens. Yeah, because I write a whole heap of questions, but I really just want to get into like maybe three concepts and we can sure. take it from there. So, um, yeah, pretty much this is my first time, so... Anyway, we'll Very just, cool, we'll just ha- have this as the start. We don't have to... Are, we on, are, are we on camera right now? Yeah, I'll, do, I'll put an intro. That's recording, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'll um, put Let's an intro it, on man. and all that. So basically... By the way, I'm th- happy th- to be you. your first one, man. Th- thanks thanks Thank, for coming. Honored, um, for, for uh, to be honored to be the subject of your first uh, podcast. Yeah, that's right. You've been like a mentor and inspiration and a friend to me. Um, so I like... Yeah, when I, I was a client of yours and due to my impairment... Um, and so, yeah, it's just you helped inspire me. And, like, it's just, like, having clarity in my life as well as all the health benefits. So it's um, been pretty good. Cool, man. So, yeah, just so I just wanted to touch on, like, um, concept of teaching and learning because I've been fascinated with that lately. Um, you've you've um, done teaching from, I think, kinder or you've done um, public school teaching. I did. I, I was... Uh... A health and physical education major in university. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be a PE teacher from the time I was 12 years old. Okay. Because the people that really, that I admired most were my physical education teachers and my coaches. 
So I decided early on. And uh, I started teaching uh, 1974 okay. in public school system. But before that, I had two years as a uh, uh, student teaching, yeah. both in elementary school and then uh, later in junior high. And then I actually taught in a public school for uh, a couple of years. Okay. And uh, even before that, <laughs> I kind of got into the, uh, I, I had a part-time job in the gym business yeah. as I was working my way through school. So I already knew I liked working with adults and the fitness industry was just in its infancy. It didn't even exist. Certainly not like now. Yeah, no worries. I'll just make sure um, yeah, so basically you've traveled the world learning from masters in all forms of um, just different fields, martial arts, yoga, spirituality, whatever. Um, well, I always had a be. lot of varied interest. And yeah. I always made it my mission to go f seek out those people that uh, rang true. You know, you... You, you, uh, when the student's ready, the teacher will come, as they say. Yeah. And so I, I've, you know, I always had this little saying that, you know, uh, I attract people to me that need me most, and the people I need most, I attract them. Yeah. And okay. so, you know, people that I need to learn from or lesson, life lessons, you know, I, I've been very lucky that way. Well, have you found from, like, just, I guess different experts and masters in different fields that they have something in common, like uh, in the way in their demeanor or the way they approach learning or doing things. Mm. You know, I never thought about that okay. the commonality because a lot of the things I've studied is very diverse, hmm. very different. I suppose. Uh, what about the breath work that? That you're yeah, uh, some similarities. Yeah, I mean, the people have different teaching styles. Some of the people I actually worked with were really high level, but not such great teachers. Okay. And then there yeah. were some people that were maybe not the highest level, but were fantastic teachers. Yeah, that's right. You know, and okay. a lot of it has to do with uh, patience. You know, um, some people in the field of uh, fitness or uh, sports. They're amazing themselves, but they don't know what it's like to not be amazing. To so they, they have trouble relating to people that are not high level. Well, that's and so, a lot of so times they have bad, you know, poor patience mm. and they get snappish or, you know, lose their temper or, you know, or they just can't relate. They, they're unable to break down what they do to teach somebody else. And it's a rare teacher to find someone that mm. can yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of like almost like the graces because they've been born into the situation. They just do it naturally and can't understand. Hey, just move your body like that. I can't. What do you mean you can't? Well, not all graces. Just sort of Horian Gracie is one of the best teachers I ever had oh, of yeah, okay. any domain. Mm. He could take your mother and basically teach her how to stand up and base and do the oopa escape. I kid you not. Yeah. He's a master teacher. His father was a master teacher. Yeah. I thought all all of Elio's sons were pretty doggone good, but there's anyone that's ever had a lesson with Horan, uh, absolutely. Well, the, hopefully, I get to one day. The finest man. It's worth it. Mm. You know, it's worth it. It's. Uh, I I just had a, just a recent lesson going yeah. over the most basic of basic things, and 
Still learning little details here and yeah. there. Well, their sons are monsters, so you can imagine how, <laughs> how good he is. Well, the, the, yeah, the grandsons. Yeah. They're Horian's boys. Hiron, Henner, uh, Halleck. And yes. there's another one, Halen. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, Halen's doing. Okay, cool. So, um, so t there's, you, you look around the world today and there's, you know, obesity epidemics and diabetes and all those health issues. Um, with regards to physical education, what we're teaching in schools, because back in the day, uh, you know, I think from the 60s or earlier, the, like the, it wasn't obesity problems, you know, epidemic. It was like a rich person's, uh, rich, rich person's curse because, you know, only rich people could afford sugar, therefore they're the ones that got fat. But I'm, I'm just wondering, um, with regard, have we lost something in the way we teach our kids and ourselves, like in the education system with regards to health? And well, part, part of it is in modern society, the... There's no need to be really all that physically active anymore. You know, with the invention of the microchip, where every technology became so small, all of a sudden people can basically sit in one spot and make a living. I myself, you know, uh, here's my iPad. I basically make money on the internet, sitting with my little iPad on my lap, and I could easily become one of those guys. Mm. You know, if I didn't know, know better. But, you know, from early on, I got in the habit of moving my body and training. And as an athlete, of course, I was always interested in being in, in good, good physical condition. So this was something that was in, impressed. I wouldn't say impressed on me because it certainly wasn't a natural. This is something that I took to and made a discipline for myself. But there's a lot of kids that grow up who have sedentary parents and they themselves are sedentary. So that's one, yeah. that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is food has never been so plentiful. I mean, you have a huge plentiful food supply. You go to a supermarket in America and it's just dizzying the array of foods. You go to, let's say, a third world country or even a, maybe a second world country, you know, like... Modern, but you go to a grocery store, there's a very limited selection. Hmm. You just don't have that overabundance of food, you know. So you have now a plentiful food supply, um, and a lot of the, the food is, is, is denatured in that the people that sell food want to make it last as long as possible so it can stay on the shelf, so they can maximize their profits. So now you have this unnatural, denatured food, relatively high in calories, you know, and taste delicious. They're really good at making things mm. taste good and sedentary lifestyle. And it's, it's a bad formula, man, bad formula. And this is, this is what people have been facing for the last 30 years. It's the first time in human evolution that we've ever been in a situation like this. Well, yeah, well, that's sort of why one of the messages I want to, um, send out there, bring across is stagnation leads to suffering. That's like a motto I wanna, that I'm putting out there. Um, because like with myself, with uh, my issues, with my arm, um, I've found that the more, like if I was to sit on the couch, the more I sit on the couch and do, don't move, the more painful it is and the, and the worse it is overall. But 
if I do jujitsu as much as I can or keep moving to do, do just general movement mobility drills, I, f- I feel much better. Yeah, it still it still feels bad and cold. Yeah. And, per- perhaps you should explain to your listeners about your arm since this is your first podcast. Yeah. They might not even be aware of the issue that you had with well, it. Basically, I got diagnosed with um, rheumatoid arthritis. I had in the elbow for about seven or eight years. In the last couple of years, it came into the wrist so and the right knee, so mainly on the right side of my body. Um, when the wrist was first inflamed, it was pretty, pretty like I couldn't move it. I remember at, at, at all Greece, like that. It was, it was like, like a big, big thing, and like the elbow had a lot of inflammation. Um, so that's got a much better, and the arms got a much stronger. But it's a slow process. It's not, you know, it's taken. It's been there for eight years. It's not going to go away in one year. You know, it's like a. But the idea is to work one day at a time, step forward. Just as long as you're moving towards a goal of cure, of you know. But in the meantime... Do you remember what set that off, by the way? What was the original injury, or was it just a gradual... It was a gradual thing. Look, I first heard it doing that kind of action at, at work. Like but that over, was more of a strain over, overused. Years, yeah, but yeah. Like, it's not like I was doing that like for years. I was only for like a couple of weeks' worth, and then it was a bit sore, so I rested, and then it came back again. And then I was on top of it with a medical profession from day one. It's like I went to the doctor, went to the... You know, Which is probably your that. first mistake. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> I, 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 I just want to try to do the right thing. It's like, okay, I'm not be scared of going to the doctor. It's like, look, doc, I've got this issue. Can we get it checked? I'd love to be able to just give give the hospital a couple of thousand dollars and say, can you just find out what's wrong with me and don't let me go until, you know. And it's like, there's no way to do that. In the meantime, I've spent how many thousands of dollars over the years trying to go to this specialist and that specialist, and they all, they just... And when one of them tells you, oh, diet has absolutely nothing to do with, it's like, how am I going to believe what you say? You want to give me drugs, you want to inject, for me to inject myself every day or every week with this medication, but, but you have no, you know. Absolutely no solution. No solution for like the fuel I'm putting in my body. It's like, how can there be absolutely no impact? So, There's absolutely a correlation between Dr. Tilden, the, the, the fellow that uh, I, you know, I, I follow the Tilden diet pretty much. He, he knew almost a half century, more than a half century ago, just how diet is absolutely related to all sorts of ailments. Mm. And he treated people with diet and fasting uh, very successfully. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, no, no doubt at all. The modern medical people can only give you drugs, mask the pain, but they never get to the real causation because they don't That's even right. know what causes it. They really, truly don't know what causes it. So, you know, they can give, give you surgery or drugs, but uh, dude, I haven't been to a doctor in like 35 years, man. <laughs> okay. So uh, so on that topic, like what, what are the biggest misconceptions out there that like bug you the most um, in terms of, oh, this is a healthy thing, but it's not actually shown to be healthy at all but it's like you know like bro science <laughs> filtering out bro science from the real stuff and the corporate you know backing the sugar industry backing the yeah, research well, and all that sort of stuff I mean there's so many man <laughs> I could go around but I, I I'm pretty as you can tell I'm, I'm not a keen fan of modern medicine mm. um, 
you know, it, it's all based in pseudoscience. They, they talk about double blind studies and this and that. But we all know that, you know, you can't have a result outside of your own consciousness. And they're, they're already looking for a particular result in all these so-called experiments. Look at the wonder drugs of today, how they become demonized just like 10 years down the road. Mm. You know, ask any thalidomide baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like FDA approved and everything. So, I mean, you can't trust it because they went the drug route, which mm. is all about pharmaceuticals. And I'm with Dr. Tilden, you know. I, I eschew all that. Yeah. I think you can, your body's capable of healing itself from anything. So that would be one thing that bugs me. This overly dependent on, on doctors, doctor, mm. doctor, doctor, and the overuse of drugs, especially antibiotics. But it's, would it be more the trust of the doctor as well? Well, you so have to have be confident in mm. your treatment. But for the most part, you know, I have no confidence myself. So, you know, my, my, my uh, I, I would I would do what people have done for ages and go back and just simply fast and allow my body to heal itself. Um, other things that bug me, I, I hate some of these fitness fads. Mm. You know, the, the whole CrossFit fad really bugs me. I see that as very destructive, uh, certainly not a sustainable model. Uh, there's, there's this concept with young people in their minds they think well you know I'm young and I'll play really hard and you know if I get hurt well well maybe I'll do something else they don't realize that a lot of this damage they're doing is permanent mm -hmm. and all the micro trauma that they're creating in their body with some of this crazy stuff it stays with you it's man. Lasting. And, and it can literally make it your, your latter half of your life uh, really miserable Mm. It is, you know, you so, but but there's this idea amongst younger people that they can just do anything mm. and they'll they'll be fine. You know, I did it. Yeah, and I'm still I, I am suffering. So you know, take a word from the wise. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> take you know, a guy that's been through to the other side. And you know, who are your who are the people you listen to? You know, are you going to listen to like a twenty or thirty or even a forty year old something? You know, until you're well past 50 years old, you have no clue about what's going on. Ask anybody. You know, experience will trump any of these ideas or theories or any of this kind of stuff. So most of my mentors were all older guys that made it through mm -hmm. the other side. You know, I, if some guy's espousing a health system, I want to see what that guy looks like. Did he, you know, did he make it? You know, did he make it to the other side mm -hmm. in, in good shape? You know, so mo most of the guys that I listen to or in the 80s, 90s, even a couple of uh, centenarians, 100-year-old guys. I figured they know what's going on. They're, they're the proof of the pudding, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's why you go to Ikaria. I mean, <laughs> you, you could say, you know, if you're just looking to one guru, you know, maybe the guy had great genetics and a little mm -hmm. luck on this side. But, I, I, you know, I, I have like at least a dozen guys that have gone into old age and spectacular mm -hmm. shit. And what I do is I look at all the commonalities of what they're they're talking about and I've kind of put that together in my own program your own system yeah well I think that's a yeah good way to learn like yeah like I said I'm fascinated with learning how to learn so let's you know listen to Tim Ferriss and people like that and like to your guidance and like even with Pedro Sal spending a lot of time with him um yeah it's pretty good um so in terms um the Helio Gracie Jiu Jitsu is starting to make a, the self-defense Jiu Jitsu is making a comeback in the jiu-jitsu community um 
so you got places like Valenti Brothers, Louis Herrera in, in Maui, you got the Pedro Sauer Association, the Hoist Gracie Network, Hickson and Cron, um, and they're, they're all teaching the self defense. And there's. And my, the, my, uh, the, the man that gave me my black belt, uh, Helsing Gracie, Helsing, and Helsing, has yeah. pretty outstanding uh, self defense. Yes, yeah, so all these so, people and yourself. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the sons of Elliot Gracie mm. and the people that trained Belgian directly underneath yeah. those guys. Uh, really know that self-defense system. And it's a good one. It's a good yeah. one. Everyone seems to think, speaking of misconceptions mm -hmm. that bug me a bit, um, okay, if you're big, strong, and athletic, you're not going to have any problem in any kind of self-defense situation. Mm -hmm. uh, even sports jiu-jitsu, if you're on the, you know, if, if you're winning tournaments, obviously you're a really <laughs> athletically gifted person. Mm. You're not going to have too too much of a problem, you know. I mean, obviously, bigger, stronger, you know, some giant guy could give you a, t a tough time. But, I mean, for the most part, I'm not talking about guys like that. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, regular people, mm. regular people like yourself, right? Even myself, you know, rather average genetics. Uh, I was not athletically gifted. I worked hard. I had some good accomplishments in, in both wrestling and jiu-jitsu. But it wasn't because I was some phenom or mm. some whiz. I had I struggled and had to work really really hard. Mm. How about those guys? You know, uh, there's this idea that you can stand and punch with people like Muay Thai. Uh, man, try doing that with some guy like the size of some of these rugby players running around here. Unbelievable. You get pounded in the next week. Yeah, you get you your need, game on. If you try to stand there and duke it out with some guy that's bigger, faster, stronger, younger, man, you have no chance, no. and you're going to get hurt. But jiu-jitsu would give you a chance because you're not trying to strike with a mm. guy. You're just basically trying to survive. It's about survival so you don't get hurt. And most people don't know that system. So they've, they've been misled by mixed martial arts, thinking that stand-up self-defense is kickboxing, mm. right? When you clinch, it's wrestling. And then when you get on the ground, it's jiu-jitsu. Well, that's good for the sport of MMA where you're wearing gloves, you know, and you have time limits and all this kind of stuff. All but in, in, in a street-type situation, you need something more. And you need survival tactics and, 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 and techniques. And Grandmaster Elliot Gracie, who was a very small little guy, he, he, he knew that. He learned that directly from the Japanese. Well, the connection that I learned, like I've heard this lesson a million times about use your feet to defend, blah, blah. So, but there was one lesson under Mount, how to defend... And then one day, I went from being a victim to it just clicked. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so powerful. And so from that day, if it wasn't for that lesson, I wouldn't be able to stay on the mat because, like, if I didn't get that concept of how to use a frame to stay safe, there's no way I'd, I would have stayed. This was, you know, four or five years ago. Um, it's funny yeah. sometimes certain lessons were just like, Bing, yeah. big light bulb, you know? And then, just, the and then all of a sudden, all this knowledge that you had no idea just comes in and fits together. And it's like, oh, wow, I don't need to learn 20 different techniques in a position. I just need to know the concept of this. Okay. Concept. And, like, if he's doing that, I do it. If he does that, I do this, this and that. Like, you know, like Helson said, like you've said before. But um, The principles of, of principle-based martial art yeah, because it. you know every time you escape from the mountain it's going to be a little bit different yeah, every guy it. I mean it's never going to be exactly the same but when you understand the principles then mm. you put together you know the escape 
from any number yeah. of positions. It's kind of like that with the self-defense. Mm. You know, it, it, there are techniques that you learn, but those techniques are never going to work exactly like you practice. No. They're always going to be a little different, but the fact that you've done them over and over and over, and the fact that in a sport like jiu-jitsu, you are rolling live, mm. full effort with each other. You know, that's different than a lot of martial arts where you pull the punches or you're not going full contact, you know. Yes. And so because you are going against live resisting opponents, you learn to flow. Mm. So that even if you are performing, let's say, a technique that you were learning, but the guy does something unexpected, you're used to flowing with it, man. Mm. And hopefully without thinking too much. Yeah, because if you don't flow, you, you brace and you don't realize what's happening. And then you're like, because you didn't expect something, you hurt yourself. Um, so I just wanted to ask you with the, um, the different systems you've seen, the Valenti brothers and the... The, what the Gracie Academy does, and Pedro Sauer's one as well, they seem to be very similar. Um, how, have, how have you found ways for yourself to A, learn and to teach in Jiu-Jitsu? Like for, or for first learning, um, in terms of you learnt from, obviously you learnt from Hickson. And, um, well, I started, uh, with, all, Helen, I started with all the brothers. When I first started at, with Horan, they're still in the garage. Mm -hmm. And then they just very... Early, uh, when I started, they moved into the first Gracie Academy in Carson. And there, you know, Hoyler, Hickson, Hoyce, uh, even Elio, uh, sometimes Holker, yeah. they were all there. They were all there. And then, uh, you know, they're all alpha males. They all like to be the leader. And, you know, they kind of yeah. went off their own direction. And the Hickson opened up in Santa Monica. Hoyler went back to Brazil to Omaita. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Hoyce and uh, Horion pretty much ran the academy. But they brought in some very talented help also. Mm. Fabio Santos was there teaching for a number of years. Uh, Wall Anderson. Uh, when I first started, Craig Kukok was there. It was like, uh, he may be America's first black belt. Okay. At least legitimate Gracie black belt. Mm. Um, when, you know, all sorts of guys. There was uh, Kaiki and Enrique. Kaiki was an amazing uh, teacher. Showed me a lot of really, really good stuff. Later, they teamed up with Helson. Mm -hmm. You know, but... There was all these little infights and, you know, I mean, it's hard for, like I say, alpha males just to kick back. And, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I went through and trained with all the, all, all, all the brothers. And they all had, like, little different ways of doing the same basic ideas and little ways of teaching that were a little bit different. Mm. And, uh, I, but... Once again, Horan was a master teacher, there's no doubt. I think even his brothers would agree that he's probably the, 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 the best in that domain. And even Elio Gracie was an amazing teacher. Uh, he didn't speak any English. So, but just through showing, uh, it, was, it was always an amazing experience mm. like that. Yeah, oh, it would have been awesome to know. Like, I remember you see his forearms, how big they were. But um, yeah, Pedro. Pedro. Well, his jujitsu certainly wasn't based in athleticism, size, or strength or anything like that. But uh, it's really interesting because uh, you know, Elio never actually learned jujitsu directly from the Japanese mm. Maeda. His brother Carlos did. Mm. He was Maeda's student, and Maeda wasn't the only Japanese teaching jujitsu, or at that time judo. It was like a kind of a, a new type of jujitsu, and judo really. It really lost its martial prowess right about 
uh, when it when it became like an Olympic sport. Yeah. yeah. Part of it was even after World War II, the Japanese were forbidden to practice martial arts by uh, the occupying forces. Uh, part of the wartime agreement. Yeah. So they practiced in, in secret, but. They they developed it more as a sport than they actually did as a as a martial art, more like a form of wrestling actually. And uh, meanwhile, in Brazil, it was kind of like in a little time capsule where they kept developing it as a combat martial art. In Japan, it went more and more sporty. Mm. And of course, now the same thing's happening to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's you know they have a very uh, structured point system now. Uh, many, many holds and takedowns and throws and techniques on the ground have been forbidden mm -hmm. because of the injury factor. And uh, now it's uh, it's very sportive. And uh, there's many people, even high-level guys, that do not know the basic self-defense. They don't. Even, even top black belt guys, they couldn't show you how to take a gun away from somebody. Or someone yeah. had a knife to yeah. the throat, they wouldn't know what to do. But even every blue and purple bout in the the Elliot Gracie system, they know how they know what to do. There has been an attempt recently uh, by the Carlos Gracie side of, of the family. Okay. Uh, originally they were together, and then like all things, they kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. went their separate ways. Uh, Carson Gracie was like a like a really main influence on the. Carlos, uh, Carlos Gracie side of the family. Uh, he had a bit of a falling out with Elio, kind of went his separate yeah. ways. They became very competitive with uh, Elio and his guys, which continues to this day. That was the Gracie bar I Car yeah. Carson was an amazing fighter and practitioner, knew all the self-defense, but they started getting more and more into jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. versus jiu-jitsu and getting more and more specific. Most of the stuff that you use to fight another jiu-jitsu guy in class is totally useless. You don't, it's just totally unrealistic, man. And MMA isn't the answer either, you know, because that's two guys, same weight, yeah, you know, wearing gloves, time limits you know, and, and time limits with a referee, and you go to the ground and there's no action, they bring you to your feet, you know. I mean, it's, okay, don't get me wrong. Any MMA champ is going to be able to defend himself, right? But once again, you got these genetically superior combat athletes who are professionals, Hmm. Of course, you take any NFL football player, you know that. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna fight that guy, yeah. right? Well, there was one. There was one of the UFC guys, vegetarian, got in the Jake Shields got in, got into a, the protesters were getting violent. One of, the, okay. one of those protesters, and like and like he ended up like in California. This one, uh, I think so. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, he's a California guy. He lives in San Francisco. I heard a Rogan. I'm not sure who he was talking about, but yeah, it was. But there was a there was a, there's a lot of violence going. Uh, a little dust up, wasn't? Yeah, yeah, but. Just but, part of the protests. But my, my point is that, uh, you know, you can't depend on uh, striking no. if you're not a big guy, if you're not particularly athletic. Exactly. You know? But you can save your life with jiu-jitsu. You can make it really hard for a guy to get a good shot on you, a good hit, you know. You, uh, for sure, if you're little, you know, the, you, you, know you, you, you clench up, for sure you're going to fall on the ground <laughs> at some point. And... You can defend yourself really well, even against a monster god on the ground. You might not be able to beat him up. You're not going to win the fight or whatever, but you can Staying keep safe. him from beating you up. And that's a huge difference. Survival. you got to stay alive no matter what. But like, um, it's, all, it's all about the distance management. 
you know, from the striking, from like you either got to be out of the range or inside the range. Inside so the range. So it's like, but you know, against a really good boxer, I mean, it's obviously hard. he's going to be in range, so you got to clinch him up mm. just to say save yourself from being struck and hit. Well, yeah, look, I I found even with me rolling with one arm, I could still defend myself if I'm not. Well, if I go to attack, yeah, then I'm going to get. Um, Thrown up, thrown up. Well, we had a, we had a, we got a strong one of the Australian representative for world strongest man in our gym. Whoa! So he's a massive guy, and like I was. That's a massive guy. I was rolling with him. He's holding me down. My arms. I'm like, well, my arms aren't my, mine now, so I have to relax them. Yeah, Otherwise, just relax. they're just gonna. So just relax, but use my legs. And in the guard, I was, uh, you know, I've rolled with him once, but I was safe in the guard. You know, until I went to try and well, he choke like, but he that strength. He couldn't the, hit you as long as he's holding you. That's right. In order so to hit you, yeah. you had to leave go one hand, yeah. but you got your other hand to block. You had your knees, your the feet, knees and, and yes. of course he has to get distance, which gives you distance to get those deadly up kicks, which yeah. are illegal mm. in MMA. That's right. They're illegal in. You know, they're, they're illegal for a reason. They're incredibly dangerous. You that's know, right. you're gonna break something, man. So, you know. But, I mean, it's just good to feel that, okay, this actually does work. Massively strong. Like yeah. But yeah, he can't do anything to it. Yeah. So, until I, you know, tried to attack him and then stuff. Like, <laughs> he got me in some weird leg. I was like trying to pass his guy. He had me in a scissor lock on his legs and he went to, so he's facing this way. And he's got the like, <laughs> had so my neck there and he was going to do that. And I tapped him off. He stopped straight away, but it's like, yeah, oh. like a mountain, like his friends with yeah, the like mountain. A mountain like How a, strong those yeah. guys are. They, but once they, again, you know, one in a million, right? Yeah. World's strongest <laughs> well, man. Yeah. Uh, Probably more than one he, in 20 million. You go across the, all of Australia, he would be like the 99.999999 percentile for, you know. And in nature, of course, bigger, stronger. Faster. Faster works. All right, cool. Um, just with regards to uh, movement patterns, to maintaining longevity, health, and yeah, not being stagnant, um, what would you say, just a general message for um, what are good movement patterns for daily life? Like, I'm biased, I would say your mobility series, the five-minute mobility series is really good. One, one, what was it, one part of the body every day, five minutes is uh, or you could do it all just do, every day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, 40, my age now, you know, I, I, I spend time doing mobility almost every day. The difference between mobility and flexibility is an important thing. Mobility means being able to move your limbs through full range of motion with strength. There's a strength component to mobility, whereas with flexibility, it's more passive and no movement. Uh, the, the other thing is just monitoring your sitting. Just don't. The, the main reason people lose the ability to move is they don't move. Yes. So even if you just get out and walk every day, that's a huge step in the right direction. Hmm. Just go out and walk 30 minutes every single day. But you know how many people don't do that? You, massive. Millions of most, people. Yeah, most. You know. But, you know, that's not too much to ask. And then monitor your sitting. Try not to sit in chairs. Like right now, yeah, I'm like sitting in the interview. But I'm crossing my legs, so I'm opening my hips. Uh, my back is cushioned, so I can lean back. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, you, you get this uh, kyphosis and forward head. Kyphosis is where the upper back begins to round, and you you uh, get your posture skewed. 
So I'm always monitoring my posture, uh, always doing assessments, being careful. Just being aware of this is, is like a huge step. And, you know, just doing simple things like getting up and down off the floor, uh, squatting every day. A lot of people cannot squat. I talked to the seminar this weekend. You filmed it. Yeah. Wasn't it amazing how many people, they were young, that could not squat, like a little kid yeah. would squat. Because they don't squat. And that, that's a really important hit mobility mm. exercise, you know? The ability to squat. Especially if you ever if you ever go to China, man, you know, they have those toilets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squat a Westerners are gonna be out a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're not gonna be able to they don't have commodes like we do, man. But yeah, I mean this is just a simple uh if you just did simple exercises, um for example, a very popular exercise is the get-up with the kettlebell. Yep. If you think about it, that's a great reset exercise, man. That really, really works mobility from many different angles, plus core stability, shoulder stability. That's a really, really good thing for people to do just as like a basic reset. Yeah. Other things you can do to keep mobile, it's just you kind of mirror the movements of a young child. I, I try to crawl almost every day. Well, that's what I was going to say. Point. Like when we're children, they move exactly how we should be moving. Exactly. And then we teach them, we teach them how to sit in chairs. How to sit in chairs. How to concentrate and how to sit in front of the TV. Just sit, sit, sit. Playing the video games. And, and, then, and then we, and then, then we worry yeah. that they're not outside playing. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, it's important to, uh, I, I think, you know, getting out of the chair, sitting on the floor, laying on the floor. Uh, a lot of people really have trouble getting up and down off the floor as they get older. I mean, think of your, your mom or your dad, maybe, for the people listening out there, or, you know, think of your grandmother and grandfather. Uh, you know, they, they, a lot of these old, oldsters can't even get up and down. I don't think my mother could. Mm. I don't believe yeah. it. My dad probably couldn't either, man. You know, that's just what happens as a result of not doing it. So you got to do stuff like that every day. Mm. It's one of the ways that jujitsu can keep you pretty mm. young because you got to move in every possible direction. You know, and of course, you know, the drill standing up in base, just yes, how an infant stands up off, off the floor. So including these movements, and it doesn't have to be hours, just a few yeah. minutes, or just every now and again, when you're thinking about it, you're in the living room, get down, you know, rock around, roll over back and forth, get up and down off the floor a couple of times. It's, it's not hard to put it into your yeah. daily life. You just got to understand the importance of it and you got to make yourself do it. That's where the discipline comes in. Yeah, well, like, if you've got discipline to brush your teeth every day, why can't you just do a five-minute workout? Most people shower, like brush their the teeth, routine, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if you can do that... Well, it's a, even things like the shower. Use, use the brush as a brush routine, like, um, you know, to dry yourself. And, like, use that as a Yeah, workout. man. You know, it's a just, good, just a good a, vigorous towel rub, so like, yeah, like cold showers. I mean, these are all that. ways to preserve your youth, your vitality... Keep your brown fat and your metabolism stoked up and uh, keep your skin really healthy and glowing. Yeah. Now, like, you've said sometimes about um, the sort of medium distance running in terms of rather than sprinting or long distance slow running, um, that, you, that you have sort of issues with the, the high intensity longer distance rather than the short, sharp, fast, anaerobic. Well, well a, lot, a, lot, a lot of the runners that you see out there are using upper lobes of their lungs, which puts them in a panic state. So they're, yeah. they're, they're basically becoming over-adrenalized, uh, literally almost in a panic. Uh, 
it, it causes a lot of stress on the body and damage that's unnecessary. I hear them out there when mm. they're breathing. It's really just So it's more the breathing rather than the activity? It's more the breathing. Okay. But even, even uh, that medium-paced uh, uh, aerobics, if it's done more than just, you know, like 20 minutes or so, you're not running for health. You know, you're, mm. you're, you're, you're really eating up your muscles and doing a lot of uh, oxidative stress and damage to the body over time. Uh, I'm more in favor of like longer, slower Zen running like our ancient ancestors did. Mm. You know, you never saw a paleo man out there running, you know, in the aerobic zone. Well, that, that, was, that was all part of, you know, when running became like a sport where people could compete. Yeah, well, like you see with persistence hunters, like in like um, some of the tribal... Um, cultures, they're just running all just day. Just in that little low. It's just a natural, natural And a lot of walking, a lot of walking. Yeah. yeah walking, jogging. And so we're made for more for long distance walking, jogging, uh, jogging, then walking, jogging, then walking. So something I found when I was doing triathlons and coaching was um, even doing a 10K run. I would do a, I would run for eight minutes at slightly higher pace, but then do a two minute walk, almost like a fart leg training. So it's like a, a 10K run. So do a fart leg, take 45 minutes. But you're actually recovering in, in the middle of the run. And like, not sure if that was right, but that's the strategy I was using at the time. And I was sort of tested out with times with the, lim the limited training at that time for that event. But Well, it's a pretty time-honored system yeah. of doing it. But the other end of it is sprinting, you know, like running, like you would run for your mm -hmm. life, oh, real yeah. high intensity. Uh, there's been a lot of research on sprint protocols as uh, uh, youthifying. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, has a rather interesting effect on the hormonal profiles, mm. you know, growth hormone, testosterone, and so forth uh, for, for older guys. So you can keep your body really healthy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate of uh, sprinting. I try mm. to sprint at least once a week. Uh, you don't need much. In fact, the latest research shows that three 20-second sprints with two-minute rest in between is just about all you need. I have other protocols. For, for, for the week, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, like and then walking or doing some light jogging every day. Yeah. And you can keep yourself. So none of this stuff is really time expensive. You know, people always say, I don't have time. I don't have Sure you do. You have 20 minutes to go out. And you don't have to do it all at once. And you don't have to go buy all You can do like 10 minutes in the morning, take a little lunchtime walk. Mm. You know, maybe have walk either before or after dinner or walk before bed. You know, try, try to get some stairs. You can fit it in. Just use a fitness tracker, you know. And, you know, uh, right now I have 8,892. I got to get my butt out there and get the other 1,200 stuff. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> uh, all right, that's, that's cool. So with your own injuries, how have you um, uh, come up with, uh, obviously, again, with your own system, like what, what have you learned through your injuries, like the... I think you were talking about your back one when you nearly had to go for surgery, where you got it rolfed. Yeah, I've done some really stupid things, you know. I, I was actually doing the abdominal wheel from the feet, Jackie Chan style. Oh. Went a little bit too deep into fatigue. This, that can be a really dangerous exercise if you let your back kink, you know. A lot yeah. of things that people do, like some of this uh, stunts and tricks, like these uh, urban gymnastics things, yeah. the bar muscle-ups, uh, ring muscle-ups. I mean, gymnasts are some of the most injured people anyway. Now they're trying to emulate gymnasts in their training. And it's all just about showing off and, you know, look at me, which is fine. But mm. these younger guys have to understand it's unsustainable, man. Yeah. Your elbows and shoulders can only take so much stress over a lifetime. 
And a lot of these guys are just working out constantly with this. And many of them are very young and already in pain. So one of the things I learned through my own mistakes and injuries, don't overtrain. Mm. A little bit, just because a little is good doesn't mean a lot is better. You know, and a small amount of really hard training is all that's necessary. Mm. So, you know, overtraining is a big, big no-no. Don't do silly stunts and dangerous things. I used to be really big into kettlebell snatches. I don't know why people think the snatch is the be-all, end-all. In reality, doing kettlebell snatches makes you good at doing kettlebell snatches. I, I saw no care over value, really, in doing the snatch to any other activity. Swings is a different matter. You know, you're, you're using your hinge. You're using your glutes and your lower back. Kettlebell swings do have uh, use and can be a great cardio tool, but taking it from the swing overhead in the snatch, there's no real benefit to that. You're just going to damage your wrist, your elbows, your shoulders, overuse. Yeah. And people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, you know, I've been doing it for a while and I like it. Well, fine. But as soon as you start to feel like things going on in there, you better back off. Mm. Think of it this way. You've heard a tennis elbow. You're just swinging a tennis racket. It's, I mean, it's what? It's a couple ounces in weight, right? A couple, you know, a couple hundred grams. Uh, people uh, get swimmer's shoulder. You're just pushing water. Uh, how about golf? You know, like Tiger Woods, you know, swinging the, uh, you know, these guys get terrible back problems, mostly from just rotating one, one side, right? And not the other so side. So if a me. golf club, tennis racket, just pushing water, can cause overuse injury. What do these guys think is going to happen when you're you're continually snatching a 24, a 28, a 32 kilogram kettlebell hmm. for really high sets and high reps? A lot. They don't think they're going to suffer. They think they're immune to overuse, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, I can tell you right now, you're, you're not. There may be some phenom out there that has an extra tough body that seemingly can get away with it. But even those guys are at some point going to pay the piper. You can't do stuff like that with momentum and throwing the weight. You know, Olympic barbell lifts being used to train athletes is another pet peeve. It's just a good way to get hurt. You know, you get good at doing the Olympic barbell lifts, but the transfer is pretty minimal. Hmm. I mean, okay, yes, you get stronger, but it's the strength that makes you better at your sport, not necessarily doing that particular lift. My point is, there's like a dozen other exercises way safer, just every bit is productive, but safer. Mm. And it doesn't give you the overuse injuries in your shoulders and your hips and, you know, of course, you get all that shearing force in the spine. So, you know. Okay. But as a, as a kid, you know, I did it too. But now oh, I'm yeah. telling you kids out there. It's part of the ego we have. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. So just like one final thing, like your nomad lifestyle is an inspiration to me and others. Um, just could you discuss the process of your awakening just in terms of living the materialistic life with the bluestone, with the, or what do they call the brownstone house? And, um, <laughs> you know, you got all the shoes and all the stuff, the gym, the house, everything. Um, from that to you're living in your, through your backpack. <laughs> well, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you know, as a kid, 
I had a pretty minimalist lifestyle. My parents were uh, frugal. And, uh, you know, yeah. in my closet, I had like maybe three shirts and three pair of pants at, at most. And maybe during the summer, a couple of T-shirts and shorts. You wore the same damn thing just mm. about every day. And your mom would wash it. Maybe you'd have like something you swap out mm. with, right? Two pair of shoes. You had your gym shoes. You had your, your good shoes for church yeah. and uh, school. Yeah. That was it, man. You know, nothing else. Mm. You know, you had one coat, you know, a winter coat, maybe a light jacket for spring. But, I mean, you didn't have, you you know, in those days you weren't like a clothes horse. So mm. I kind of grew up with that simplicity mentality. I was very happy. And uh, as a physical education major, we wore uniforms. Mm. So I didn't even need to dress for PE. You, you actually wore a physical education uniform. It was almost like being in the military. We even had hair rolls mm. and everything, man. So once I got out of school, I maintained that minimal idea. I used to have this rule that if I couldn't pack up my belongings and, and, and put in my car in less than 20 minutes. In other words, all my belongings had to fit in the car. And if I couldn't do it in 20 minutes, I had too much stuff. I lived that like that for years. Mm. I even lived in an Indian teepee. Okay. Yeah, I kind of went through my... Uh, like a little hippie stage there for a while, you know. I had yeah. the beard and the hair. And oh, it's a good stage. Rode a bike, <laughs> got rid of my car. So minimalism wasn't new to me. But once I got married uh, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, my ex-wife and I created like a little empire. I always wanted my own gym. And I had my dream gym called Maxercise. Mm -hmm. First jiu-jitsu school on the eastern seaboard of the U.S. Uh, it was uh, the first Gracie Academy in the United States. Uh, it was the first place where there was group kettlebell classes held. Before anybody else was doing it, I was teaching group kettlebell uh, yeah. classes as, as a group. I, I really mastered the idea of these classes. But, I mean, You're that was... before your time. <laughs> Little look, now jiu-jitsu, kettlebells yeah. everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, I... We bought a house, had a couple kids, you know, and, you know, I had the... The, the I had a, a, my own private garage within the house, four stories, beautiful brownstone, uh, mm. brick facing, you know, room full of furniture, all the accumulation. And uh, it really didn't enhance my life one damn bit. You know, I started accumulating, you know, clothes and shoes. I think I had like at one point 21 different kind of different track suits and outfits with matching mm. shoes. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I was pretty miserable in that situation. I wasn't really cut out to be a family guy and a, a family man. Pretty lousy father, I think, probably. You know, I let the kids get away with murder. And uh, I just realized, wow, I'm just working like a freaking dog to own all this stuff. And the stuff is owning me. You know, I couldn't even go on vacation, you know, for fear of losing clients or, you know what I mean? And who's going to run the school or work the people out when I'm gone, it, you know. So there was a crisis because, you know, we, uh, you just can't sustain that type of intensity with yeah. your work. Yeah. And working with your significant other, we both owned the gym together. It was brutal, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're with each other all the time, you know. So divorce. Yeah. Did it. That's what the awakening was. Mm. Okay. I was aware of a lot of these things, but I just wasn't practicing. And that's when I really got into meditation higher mind science. Mm. I had been working with it all along, but I, I got super serious once I got divorced. I moved in a little camper van. I lived in a camper van for three years after the divorce, 
drove across the U.S. eight times. And then I downsized even more. Mm. I started traveling so much, I, I sold the camper van mm. and came down to like a, a, a you know, a 40-liter pack where all my belongings and a little, little carry-on. And that was it, man. And I went back to my roots and never felt better mm. about it. You know, I just felt like a weight was lifted off me. So uh, one of the ways... If, if, a, if a person would be attracted to this type of lifestyle, uh, it's not for everyone. No. I'm not saying that you have to get rid of everything. No, no, but it's like, do I need to buy tailor-made shoes? Exactly, man. You know, it's like, just, just, just get rid of all the stuff you don't just use. Just take, take control. You know, give away all the clothes that you don't wear. That's it. And, and just weed things out and, and just stop buying so much stuff, mm. you know? And if you do want to become a nomad and, and, and not even own a home and just love the traveling, roving life, the gypsy lifestyle... Um, you need a freedom business. You know, mm -hmm. you need to find a way that you can make money uh, online. Yep. Now, a lot of people have tech jobs. Mm -hmm. They already are making yeah. money online. Yeah. So, hey, I'd say just get rid of everything you own. Just keep a couple of nice things and just take off, man. Start mm -hmm. start doing what I do. Travel from place to place. Yeah. And uh, for well, me... Not, it, not for everyone, but... No, it's not but, for but everyone. You, you, not you, for don't, everyone. you don't have to be like that to get the lessons out of it. No, like, you do I've, not. I've... And you can change my life just from that that lesson. It's like okay, well, I don't need all this stuff, but at the end, on the on the other side, I've come to terms with okay, well, I'm gonna have some stuff, but I don't need all of it. I'll whatever I use, I'll I'll get, and whatever I don't need, I'll get rid of. You know, yeah. I mean, people are so clever. wasted, you know, in nature, right? If we were like ancient man or whatever, mm. and you and I would go fishing, right? We would catch enough fish to eat. We wouldn't catch, catch like 20 fish and, put them and, in the and, and just throw them and just leave them rot. Mm. But that's what happens, right? People mm. waste. They're wasteful. It's, it, it corrupts you. Yeah. So, and also being a minimalist does not mean I suffer or exactly. I don't have quality things. Yeah. No, no. I live a very mm. good lifestyle. You know, I, I try to fly business class, you know, yeah. uh, I have some pretty long flights, mm. you know, uh, I, I stay in really nice places like this, like little hotel apartment or a nice Airbnb. You know, I don't stay in crappy places. I'm not going to like some kid's backpacker hut. You know, I, I have the things I have are very nice. Yeah. So it the, doesn't the free, mean the freedom will be the right. It, it, it doesn't mean that you 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 uh, become homeless. Become like a yeah. like a like a, a bum mm, no. or you know you like that. No, I. You, you can you yeah, can, you can, live enjoy, a, enjoy you can vary a, you can actually have all the bourgeois comforts mm -hmm. yeah you know as a, as a minimalist so yeah. that that's a mistake that some people make yeah, it's a misconception right. that you suffer no not at all man man so I eat great I sleep in beautiful places all over the yeah. world you know Perfect. so yeah that's 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 pretty much it all, all right no right. right. so thanks, thanks mate thanks for the I'm honored to be on your first podcast thank you. And, it's uh, been a pleasure. Thanks for all the, that. The website is maxwellsc.com. Maxwellsc.com. Yeah, I'll put links to all that up. Like my Facebook page, Steve Maxwell. Uh, my Twitter, follow me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Snapchat. Always putting up videos. Yeah. A lot of free exercise advice. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of and, good stuff uh, out there. I'm yeah. doing seminars all over the world in jiu-jitsu, self-defense, how to condition yourself for jiu-jitsu, uh, anti-aging joint mobility still teach kettlebells and uh, body weight training but in a safe manner that won't get you hurt so and for everyone and everyone for everyone <laughs> any age any age
whether you're body type four or forty or six or sixty. All right, all right, all right thanks. Awesome, that's awesome. awesome. All right, great. Cool. Thanks. Okay, that was my interview with Steve Maxwell. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, yeah, it was pretty interesting, so I hope you guys picked up uh, just a few new concepts or ideas that you may not have considered before. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I've always learned a lot from uh, listening to Steve at his seminars and just interviews and just talking to him. Yeah, you learn, you can learn quite a lot from him. So. Um, it was an honour to be able to uh, interview him, so make sure you follow him on his social media. The links will be on the description below. Um, and if you liked what, if you liked the podcast, uh, yeah, please subscribe, like, share, all, all of that. Um, follow me on my social media; they'll all be in the links below as well. My website and all that sort of stuff. So. Um, I'm going to have a lot more content coming out fairly soon so um, yeah I've got a couple more interviews that I've already done so they're going to come out very shortly and yeah hopefully I'll have a lot more interesting uh, sort of podcast to to put out there um, yeah I'm going to try to do, do something different next time so yeah we'll see how that goes um yeah, so um, like this will be on YouTube as well as the audio podcast. So um, yeah, be sure to check it out. And yeah, uh, thanks for listening, watching, and um, yeah, thanks a lot. And have a good day. Cheers. Bye.